All right. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Thank you for coming back. Some of you, this might be your second time with us. Last weekend was our public launch of this campus. We are one church in two locations. So we've got a 41-year-old branch in Manuka, and we've got a new campus here in Morris. So maybe you're here for the very first time, and we are so pumped that you're here. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to help you get connected uh, as much as you're interested. And so uh, we've got a table called Next Steps. We'd love to give you a gift, and if we can help you at all, we'd just love to meet you and, and, and let you know that way. And if you came last week, or if you come for a while, but we still haven't met, Next Steps is not just for first-timers. It's for whoever considers themselves new-ish, or just wants to take a next step. So if you're like, I would like to know about, you know, uh, small groups, or I'm interested in serving. We've got a whole bunch of serve teams, uh, and we would love to get you plugged in. Like, we have people that show up at 7 o'clock to unload trailers and set all of this up, and it's a little bit of work, but we have a lot of fun, and so if you're like, hey, sign me up. I'd love to come once in a while and hang out with people and, and, and use my body to do some good, then uh, stop by Next Steps, and we would love to get you guys involved. Uh, in case you didn't hear, we're doing these Morris parties, Mission Morris parties, and this is for anyone that is, you know, around or involved or just knows somebody at the Morris campus, so you can invite your friends even if they've ever come, but uh, a few people from our church have opened their house just to host some big parties, and it's free and everyone's invited. So the next one's coming up on Sunday, June 13th, and uh, it'll be here in Morris. And so there's cards that you can grab in the lobby, or you can go uh, on our Morris page of our website and find out all the information. But we'd love to just have you there so we can hang out and we can connect. And uh, really appreciate being able to do all that and the people who are opening up their house. So we're going to keep going in this series that we're calling In Case You Just Joined Us. And the idea is that this is just a way, kind of like if you're watching a football game at the end when they just kind of do a recap that we can catch anyone and everyone up to speed, whether you've been around church for a long time or you're brand new to church, whether you're, you know, you're familiar with other churches but you're new to our church, or, or, or wherever you're at and your, your idea of God and faith and church, we're just kind of going over as a church what we believe so you can get to know us well since we're new in the neighborhood. And uh, each week in this series, we're going to look at what we believe, where we see it in Scripture, but most importantly, why does that matter? You know, why do we have these beliefs? What do they mean? And uh, we kind of said last week that your beliefs matter. You know, what you believe matters because what you really believe influences the way you live. It, it affects your behavior. It, it, it forms what you do, how you treat people, how you see yourself. All of this comes from your core beliefs. And so uh, we kind of said last week that you owe it to yourself to at least consider what you actually believe. Don't write off God or the Bible just because you're busy and you don't feel like thinking very deeply. I get in, you know, sometimes I, oftentimes, I get where I don't feel like having a deep conversation. And my wife wants to talk about something and I'm just like, I'm, I'm too tired. I'm too distracted. I don't have, you know, I don't have any more words to give to this conversation, you know, and, and maybe that's a guy-girl thing or the fact that she's just way smarter than me, but uh, that's okay sometimes, but don't live your whole life not willing to even think about what you believe. And so we're going to look at what we believe, and uh, hopefully this is just a great place to explore your faith, to explore the idea of God. Uh, today we're going to be looking at what we think about his word, what we call the Bible, and it's a great place to ask questions and to just explore. So if you... Uh, if you're like, I'm not sure where I land on that, you can still come. You don't have to fake it to fit in. We're just so glad that you're here. I mean, we really do hope that we can convince more and more people that Jesus is the only way to heaven and his, giving your life to his cause is by far the best way to go. But if you're not there yet, we're, you know, hopefully this is just a great place to hang out and the greatest group of people in Morris to make friends with. So you don't have to fake it to fit in. But we do believe that what you believe really matters. For instance, if you believe 
that uh, sports memorabilia is very valuable, you'd be willing to spend a lot of money on it. So I brought a little game for you guys, uh, a famous sports memorabilia, and you could Google this and find dozens and dozens of almost like ridiculous things. But here's the first one. This is an actual pair of shoes that Michael Jordan wore when he was still a college student in 1984 in the gold medal games. These, it's not just that someone thinks they're valuable, it's that someone believed that it was so valuable, you know how much they, they wanted to pay for these? Anybody wanna guess? Too much, you know, when, when, when you go shopping with mom and it's like $50 is too much for shoes, just tell her, these ones sold for $190,000 and they were used, right? I mean, you would, I would expect to pay less for used shoes, right? That doesn't make any sense. But if you really believe that it's, you know, valuable for some reason, then you're, and, and you have that much money to waste, then uh, you can get some smelly, sweaty gym shoes, okay? Um, we'll keep going. Muhammad Ali wore these gloves in a boxing match, okay? And... Um, he won, and so they're famous gloves, and they went at auction for a little over a million dollars. That's right. Someone paid a million dollars for some dirty boxing gloves. Have you ever worked out at a place that does, like, boxing? Uh, people love that. They're, those kinds of places have really popped up all over different towns over the last uh, several years. Uh, there's a great one in Manuka, and uh, it's a great workout. It's fun, except for me, they make you hold the gloves up the whole time, and I can't stand the way they smell because some other sweaty person worked out in these gloves, and as much as they sanitize them, it still stinks. And like, I kept putting my gloves down, and they kept saying, hold them up. So I don't know why you pay a million dollars for somebody else's sweaty, stinky gloves, except if you really believe they're valuable, then, then you'd put up your million dollars. Here's a, a really big one. This was the, the bat that Babe Ruth hit. It was a brand new stadium. You know, they call it the house that Ruth built for a reason. And so it was the first time someone hit a home run in Yankee Stadium, and it happened to be Babe Ruth, and they sold that bat. Do you want to guess how much? Almost, yeah, $1.2 million for a you know, like an 80-year-old baseball bat at the time. And they're not even going to play baseball with it. That's the thing. Like, if, I got, if you gave me a baseball bat, I'd be like, let's go hit some balls. But this person didn't even use it, right? They just put it on a shelf somewhere. Uh, here's more recent. When I was a kid, I remember Mark McGuire hitting home run number 70. What's funny now, a little bit of time, people disrespect the record, and they say, oh, it was the steroid era if you're a sports fan. You know, like, that, it doesn't mean as much. But there was a period of time where it meant a lot because somebody bought that baseball for $3 million, $3 million for a ball. And like if I had Babe Ruth's bat and that ball, we'd play a game in the backyard, but they won't even use it. Here's the last one. And I think this is one of the most expensive sports memorabilia. This is another Babe. Babe Ruth's worth a lot of money. Uh, in 1920, he wore this jersey. It's pretty raggedy. You can buy way nicer clothes nowadays, but someone bought this for over almost $4.5 million, right? For a, 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 a sweaty jersey. I don't even know if Babe Ruth washed it or not, right? And so... Um, if you really believe that it's valuable, then you'll put your money, and, and you, we do this, like if you believe that better coffee's worth it, you go somewhere besides a gas station, right? If you really believe that a new couch is necessary, you put your money, like we invest in, based on what we believe we need or what we believe is right, and so what we believe matters. I also thought about like the Declaration of Independence. You know, just seeing like the actual old paper has this historical nostalgic feeling. There's been movies made about it. Nicolas Cage stole it or something, you know? And like, uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a big deal. We know it's a big deal. This is why people go and they, they 
take pictures of it or they get pictures with it. It's on display, but not to be touched. It's, it's, it's priceless. You know, it, it couldn't be sold, but if it could, I'm sure someone would pay millions of dollars for it. Uh, but it's not just because of the, you know, it is old and so it's a relic. It's, it's, it's interesting because of its age, but it's more interesting because of who signed it, right? The autograph is worth something. Uh, very famous figures in American history drafted and signed that document. And what it represents is even more valuable than just the, you know, what it is. And so, uh, you know, we, we go and we take pictures of it and you can read what they actually wrote. And my question is, what about the Bible? I think we too easily, I know, because I do this, we take for granted what we have in the Bible. And so today I'm going to tell you kind of what we believe about the Bible and, and why that matters. Um, but I mean, like in my house, I have more Bibles than people, right? Maybe you do. My grandpa passed away this past year, and as we cleaned out his house, we've, I think we found over a dozen Bibles, and he was there by himself, or maybe it was the two of them for a while, but like, how many Bibles can you read at once? They had, you know, boxes full of old Bibles because he had been a Christian for a long time, and this person gave him a Bible, and he still had a Bible from his Sunday school class in like 1939. I had all these Bibles, and maybe you right now are like, yeah, I got more Bibles in my house then I have people in my house. I got Bibles I haven't even read in a while. I got different translations. I got gift Bibles, you know, like we take for granted because it's everywhere. And if you don't own a Bible, you can have it right on your phone and really have almost any translation in any language of the Bible because of the digital age that we have. And so uh, we just look past it. We don't think about it like the Declaration of Independence. We don't realize what we have, as, if nothing else, just as a historical document, let alone the power and the value that's in it. People go on trips to Israel. Maybe you've been. Our church leads these trips every once in a while. And, and the idea is you go and you can actually walk the streets and see the places where Jesus lived, where Jesus taught. And they'll try to, on a tourist tour guide, I'll show you like, this is our best guess of where Jesus was born. And this is the hill that Jesus died on. And here's where these, this certain miracle was done. And you can see the places where all these ancient people and our, our Savior actually walked. And, and like, they take pictures there and study it and, and read things about it. And, and and that's really cool. And if you get a chance to do that, it's actually uh, a good thing to do. But sometimes we overlook the fact that we've got even more value sitting on a shelf collecting dust or maybe on an app in our pocket. And so a while back, I was reading the Bible and I was reading the part that you usually skip Right? If you, if you read the Bible, a lot of these books have like introductions, and it kind of feels like, okay, just get, get to what you want to say, right? Uh, especially in the New Testament, these were written by men, mostly sending them to either churches or church leaders. And so it's like a letter. So the first part's always like, how are you? I am fine. You know, please tell your mom I said hello. Like, what? And it's like, okay, skip past that part and tell me what I need to hear, Paul. Like, I'm reading this historical document to learn about God or to learn about church or, or to hear from God. And so, uh, but I was reading and I read this verse in the very beginning of Ephesians. And he's introducing himself in a letter, because this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church, to a group of believers, a church that he had started as a missionary, and now as he's traveled on, he's coaching them from a distance. And he's just introducing them, and this is the verse that I usually skip past, and most of his letters sound exactly like this. And he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ, Jesus, by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, which is why we call the book Ephesians, the faithful in Christ Jesus. And there was a day I was reading this not long ago, and this verse that I usually skip over hit me because I think the Apostle Paul is a pretty awesome dude. 
Like if I could meet or hang out with one person of all time, hey, you got to take Jesus out because, you know, that, of course, that's too obvious. But like, it, it, the, you know, the old question, you, if you could hang out with one person ever, who would it be? For me, it'd be the Apostle Paul. He's like the coolest, craziest life. If you read through the book of Acts, the things that he was a part of, the things that happened to him, uh, I don't know if you remember those old Dos Equis commercials about the most interesting man in the world. And they were, they were hilarious to me because they'd be like all these crazy things that he did or said and that couldn't really happen. But like, that's the Apostle Paul to me because like one time a poisonous snake bites him and the snake dies like that's crazy right and I and I, I think of all these crazy things that he did and was a part of and the way that God used him and I I hear him in that Doseki's voice saying I don't always write letters but when I do they become books of the Bible right <laughs> like this is the apostle Paul and I, I read this verse one time and it just hit me like I'm waiting for Paul to get to the good stuff and I'm like wow the apostle Paul wrote this Like if this was in a museum, I'd go and take pictures of it. I'd stand over the glass trying to read so I could hear what Paul said to somebody 2,000 years ago about God. Like we would flock to it. We, We would want to be near it and have pictures of it. People would pay ridiculous amount of money to have it in an auction if they could, but God preserved it in a way that it was translated into English and printed billions of times so you could have a copy of it. And this verse just hit me like, just as a historical thing, that these are words that a, a, an, an impressive guy wrote 2,000 years ago, and I could hear what he said to Christians back then and be challenged and encouraged through it. It just blew my mind. It was like this little mini worship session of realizing, God, what you gave us in the Bible is so much better than I realize it. Or think about the poetry and the prayers that King David wrote that are like over 3,000 years old. And we can read them, and we can pray with David as we read them. And it is just crazy who he is, and that we have that. But we kind of overlook how incredible that is. And I was sitting there thinking about that, and I felt like God just kind of gave me this idea, like, duh. And if Paul and David are cool, how about the idea that this is the very word of God? Like, if we believe what we believe is true, that our Bible, the word of God, is God breathed, like we're going to show you in a second, that that God spoke it so that he could speak to us. That's way better than King David or the Apostle Paul or any other human author. And it's cool to think about those guys, but I felt like it just dawned on me like, yeah, I kind of, I read this thing, I believe in this thing, but sometimes I don't even realize how big of a deal it really is. And um, so I want to show you what we believe about the Bible as a church. And I'll put this on the screen. I'll I'll try to read it through without uh, stuttering. Uh, It's a robust kind of doctrine statement from our statement of faith about the Bible. And we're not going to unpack the whole thing, but we'll kind of try to get into uh, where we see that in Scripture. So here's how we say it as a church. We believe that the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative, verbal, plenary, inspired word of God as represented in the original manuscripts. Okay, there's a lot there. The Bible consists of 66 books written by men under the superintendence of the Holy Spirit. God's word has been delivered once and for all to the saints, which is believers. Uh, If you believe in Jesus, you're a saint. Did you know that's pretty cool? You feel like you don't deserve that, but that's true. Uh, And therefore, the canon of Scripture is close, okay? Now, there's a lot there, and we could probably do a whole sermon series about the different verses and places and what this means, but for the tip of the iceberg, in case you just joined us, catch everybody up to speed, uh, my hope for today is that you leave a little more excited about what you have in the Bible, that you leave today a little more interested in actually reading and getting into God's Word, and that you leave today a little more convinced that when you do, God can speak to you. 
Because it's easy to have this, this really smart thing with words I barely understand and realize there's a lot of meaning to it. But there's another thing to realize that God wrote and preserved these scriptures so he could speak to us. And so um, we're going to dive into that today. Uh, the Bible is not like any other book. If you're like me, you got uh, books on a shelf. Some of them you read a long time ago. Some of them you might have half read and quit. Some of them you haven't even read yet, right? And so like we got a lot of books and some books are really valuable and some books are really helpful and really important, but there's no book like the Bible because every other book was written by just a man and the Bible was written through men by God. And uh, so I wanted to show you some of the ways that there's nothing like the Bible, nothing else that you have that you own, okay? Uh, Paul also wrote this to Timothy. This is a letter he wrote to a young leader to help him lead a church. And he says this, You have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, he says that you've known the holy scriptures. The idea that we believe the Bible is ultimate truth. It's totally true. It's God's truth. What the Bible says goes. You know, it's like the Supreme Court in our life. It trumps all other ideas of truth. He calls them holy scriptures. But as they're not just truthful, then he goes on and he says, they're able to make you wise for salvation. That when people read God's word, it is able to lead them to putting their faith in Jesus and finding eternal life. Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian, but God's word, because it's not like any other book, can help you find faith in God and become a Christian. And, uh, and then he says, it's God-breathed. I love that phrase, that all scripture is God-breathed. Because we believe, and this is kind of mind-boggling, that God spoke through people. So like when we went through uh, Luke, we believe that Dr. Luke actually, you know, wrote those words. And he used his voice. And he, sometimes he used Dr. Lingo for his day because it was really his personality coming through. But it was the Holy Spirit through him working. Same thing for Moses to David to the Apostle Paul. All of the authors of Scripture, they lived over the period of thousands of years. They spoke different languages, but they worshiped the same God. And that God through them wrote these words. So, yes, we realize we're reading what Moses wrote or what the Apostle Paul wrote. But we believe that we're hearing what God wants to say. It's the words of God. Paul says to Timothy, all scripture is not just truthful, it's breathed by God. It's the breath of God that when we get to open it and read it, that God will speak to us. And I love that he says, and it's useful, you know, because it's one thing if it's true, like you have textbooks or you had textbooks. Now we don't, we just get computers and stuff. But like a textbook was full of truth, right? Uh, science, math, history, whatever it was, this is true. And, uh, but it was boring. You know, <laughs> okay, I get it. I, I'm not interested in that subject or I had to do that homework assignment. And I couldn't wait to turn that textbook back in. But the Bible is not just a textbook that's true. It's useful. And this is like a, a practical, helpful for your life kind of thing. And he says it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And he says, so that, so why is it useful? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. A couple weeks ago, we looked at one of my favorite verses that says that we were created by God to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do. That God made you with a purpose in mind to do good works. He wants to use you, yes, you, just the way you are, to do important, eternal you know, everlasting difference making kind of good works. And then Paul says the way we're equipped or trained to do those good works is by 
getting our minds into the Bible and getting God's word into our life. That it's not just true, it's helpful. It's useful. Maybe you could tell a story, if you've been a Christian for very long, about how God's word help, helped you. You know, it, it helped you in your relationships. It helped you in your, in your life. It helped you grow as a person because that's what it's supposed to do. It's not just true. It's not just to be memorized as truth. It is true, but it's also helpful and useful. The Bible is the primary way that God speaks to people, at least today. Now, I've, I've met people who have um, had a dream where God spoke to them. I've met people who said, once or twice in my life, I heard an audible voice. I believe that God can do that. I believe that God still does that. Maybe he'll talk out loud to you someday. I always have wished that God would do that to me. Like, just tell me what to do. Just give me the thundering voice or whatever. I, I would be really disappointed then if God had this wimpy voice, but I don't know what he would sound like if he chose to talk. But, uh, and he could do that. He could meet you in a lot of ways. If God wants to get your attention, he can get your attention. But the way he speaks most often is through his word. He spoke to prophets and apostles and teachers to write down his words. He watched over thousands of years of preserving it, having it translated so that we could hear from him. If you've ever thought like I have, I wish God would just speak to me. I wish God would tell me what he wants me to do or, or you know, what I should do here. Uh, now, he might not say, you know, how much should I list my house for or should I take this job? There's not a verse that says that, but uh, he can speak to you through his word. And the more chances we give him to get our attention in his word, he will do it. If you've ever tried reading your Bible, if you've ever made that a regular habit, I hope that you would have some times where you felt like God was using that to speak to me. That stuck out to me. It's, you know, it's cool that you can have the Bible on your phone. But I still like the paper version because I can underline stuff and I can write little notes in there and I can see what, you know, high school Eric wrote like 20 years ago when he started underlining stuff in his Bible and that's really cool to see where God has met you because it's the primary way that he speaks to people today. Second uh, Peter chapter 1, uh, the apostle Peter is writing a, a letter and he talks about scripture and he says this, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. Verse 21, he says, for prophecy never had its origin in human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. There's this thing that we kind of get, but we'll never totally get that God spoke through his people to speak to his people. That he spoke through prophets and, and, and leaders and, and all these people. All scriptures God breathed and all scripture, although written through humans, was from God as they were carried along by his Holy Spirit. It's not like any other book that you could ever own or read. A lot of other books you might read once and put down forever, but the Bible, I would encourage you to read and reread and reread because it's not like any other book. In fact, there's a verse that I love that says it's alive and it's active. It's powerful. Other, wor other words that humans could write might be good and helpful, but like this one is different. It's alive and active. It's in, it's in Hebrews chapter four and it says this, for the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. This is a description that these things that you can't really separate, it can cut right through. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The idea is that when you read the Bible, the Bible is actually reading you. Because God will speak, God can speak to you through it. So that it can, it can cut to the heart of who you are. Because God wants to meet you where you are. He wants to save you from your sins. He wants to change you, to equip you through his word for the good works that he prepared in advance for us to walk in. And so uh, I just want to kind of heighten our awareness of how amazing God's word is because it's so easy to take it for granted 
Or if you're like me, I was raised in a Christian home and my parents and pastors and leaders would tell me, you're supposed to read your Bible. You're supposed to read your Bible. And so it's like anything you're supposed to do, you don't want to do, right? It's like, I don't want to read my Bible. And so like, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to, like, if I have to, I'll check it off my list. But that's not the intent. We're going to talk in a second about how can we actually come to God's word uh, to hear God. But the idea that it's alive, that it's fresh every time. Maybe you've read a passage of scripture before, but you read it again and you feel like God has fresh encouragement or, or, or understanding for me in this because it's not like any other book. It's alive and it's active. It's, it's powerful. My grandpa, who had read the Bible, I don't know how many times, he had a great habit of reading the Bible every day. And he told me several times, he talked about, when I get to the end, I just start back at the beginning. And he always would say, and I love how fresh it is, even though I've read it before. And he was in his 80s. He was 90. He's still reading the Word of God, even though he's read it many times before. He's taught most of it to other people before. And he said, God still meets me in that. And I'm like, man, if it can be fresh for you at 90, then I'm going to keep going because God's got more for me in his Word than I've found yet. And the same is true for you. There's more for you in God's word than you'll ever find until you meet him face to face in heaven because it's alive and it's powerful. It's not like any other book. It'll cut to your heart. It gets inside of you and it can change you to be the person that he wants you to be. This is what we have in the Bible and it's awesome. This is why every Sunday morning we open up God's word and we try to look at what it has for us. It's not just this is what we're supposed to do. It's like we want to hear from God. We want to come and bow down our hearts and worship him. And we want to open up his word and hear from him because we want to be changed to become like him. This is why uh, we've got groups that gather to discuss the Bible. We've got youth groups for, for teenagers to teach them the Bible. We've got ministries that reach out to specific groups of people in specific ways to help them hear from God because the Bible is the primary way that God speaks to people today. So what does this mean for you, for each of us? And very simply, I would say, read it, right? Like, give it a try. You probably have one at home. If you don't, you can totally get it on your phone or look it up on your laptop. But uh, my guess is, you. and if you want a paper version and you don't have one, we've got some we'd love to give you for free. We'd love to give you because we believe there's nothing more valuable that you could put into your life than the word of God. We believe that it's the word of God. And if you really believe that, then you like listen up when he speaks. And so uh, I know that there's parts of the Bible that can be confusing or long and boring. Like, I, I still read the Bible, and I'm like, oh, what is that supposed to mean? Like, how, you know, how does that match up with this? And I'm like, I, I, I'm supposed to be the expert. I got to teach this on Sunday, right? Like, I feel embarrassed that I still have questions. But you know what? God is bigger than me and smarter than me, and I can't understand everything about him. And so it's okay if you come to God's word, and one day it's, like, powerful and meaningful, and the next time it's like, I'm a little confused by that. Find a friend or a small group that you can discuss it with. Pray and just let God take you to where he wants to lead you through his word and keep coming back to his word. I know it's sometimes a little uh, over my head, but he wants to use it to work in your life. So here's a couple tips if you want to read it. I would say find your spot and your time. And maybe you're someone who's tried this before. Maybe you're someone who's really good at this. Like you've got a really good habit of reading the Bible. That's one of the best habits you could put into your life. But if you've never tried this before, uh, the best tip I can give you is find your spot and your time. Maybe it's your early morning kind of person. Maybe you're a late night kind of person. My wife doesn't like when I talk to her, talk about her on stage, but she reads her Bible before she goes to bed. And I'm always like, turn the lamp off, I'm tired, right? But I'm just a terrible person because that's, that's her spot and her time to meet with God and hear from him through his word. And she does it regularly because it's important to hear what God has for her. And I'm so grateful that even though you leave the lamp on sometimes, 
you follow God and you listen for what he has to say to you. A lot of people make it their lunch break because, you know, your day's busy on both ends. And so if you've got a regular, but maybe it's your car, maybe it's your favorite sofa, maybe it's a chair at your dining room table. But if you can find a regular spot and a regular time, it becomes very easy to make that a habit versus I hope I read the Bible sometime today or this week or this month and all those times fly by because, you know, make it, make it a spot, make it a time, make it a habit. Um, and I would say this is huge, but pray first. The simple act of, if we recognize this is the word of God written so he can speak to us, when you open it, just pause for a moment and invite God into that time and say, God, I want to hear from you. This is why I'm here. I want to know you more. I want to be changed by you. I want your word to be alive and powerful in me. So please speak to me. There's a prayer that I stole from a professor in college uh, that he had this prayer and like he prayed it almost every day. I'm like, I love that prayer. So I've stolen it and I pray it almost every day. Uh, He said, Every time I opened the Bible, I just simply would say, God, would you speak to me as a father speaks to his son? Because he believed that, you know, as a Christian, he's the son of God. And so, he's, you know, a good dad will speak sternly and will speak sweet and will speak encouragement and will speak challenge and, and all these things. And so he just, I wanted to invite my perfect father to speak to me as his son and tell me what he wants me to know because he's perfect and all. And I'm like, I love that prayer. And so just when, when you open up God's word, sometimes... We say, well, I'm supposed to do this, or I, I know I should do this. It's kind of like eating my vegetables. I'll plug my nose, I'll cram it down, and it's over with, right? Like, it's not just checking something off your list, but taking just enough time to say, God, I want you to meet me here. I invite you to speak to me through your word, and I'm just going to give you a chance and hopefully regularly give you those chances. The idea that when we read his word, we're listening for his voice. We're not just reading words, we're, we're trying to tune our heart in to listen for his voice. And the third thing I would say is have a plan. And this is, I want to leave this one up to you. I'll just give you some ideas. But, because uh, a lot of you guys do this or have done this. But uh, a good plan is not, you know, the old, maybe you've done this where you just like say, okay, I need you, God. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to open it up. I'm going to point. And it's like a weird circumcision verse or something. Like, like what am I supposed to do about that, right? Like, it's some random verse. But people do this all the time because they're like, okay, I know I want to hear from God. I'm just going to eeny, meeny, miny here, right? And then like, and, and, I've heard stories where people did that and it was like God spoke to them through that verse. But I've also tried it and thought that was random. And so I would say, have a plan. Like you can just say, I'm going to read a chapter a day. My grandpa, like I mentioned, his thing was he opened up his Bible, he read this page and this page, turned the page and put his bookmark in for the next day. And he said, and if I've got extra time, I might do another round. But like, that's just, and I'm like, is that a chapter? It depends on how big the font is. I don't know, but like, that was his plan. But you know what? He just stayed at it. The one professor that I mentioned, I remember he said, I study three verses a day. I'm like, really? You're like all spiritual and smart. And he said, and he broke it down to like, if you do just three verses a day, you'll get through the whole Bible this often and so many times in a lifetime. And he made it sound like, wow, you don't have to read, you know, for hours and hours. But whatever your plan is, if, if you want to just say, I'm going to read the Bible, I love the book of Mark or really any of the Gospels as a place to just understand who God is and who Jesus is and just read. You don't have to read a whole chapter. Mine has like uh, little titles. You can just read a chunk, whether that's three verses or 30 verses or whatever. Um, But like have a plan. Maybe you buy a book or a devotional guide that like says today, read these verses. And it might even give you a thought on what that means or how that could be in your life. Like find, if you can't make up your own reading plan, then find a book or something or better yet, uh, download version. It's an app on your phone. A lot of people do their regular Bible time on their phone. Now, I know I'm just like a 90-year-old guy in a 30-year-old guy's body, but I love it a good old-fashioned paper Bible. But a lot of people have meaningful time with God on their phone. 
And uh, your phone could probably be used for a lot of bad, but it could be used for a lot of good. This app is for free. It's got all kinds of translations of the Bible, but it also has reading plans. And those plans could be uh, read these verses each day, and it's just, it just kind of helps you go along. Uh, there's tons of them. You could search for them by topic. Uh, you could have one that's like 90 days through the Gospels or, or whatever your pace is. But that'll help you like stay on track. And if you miss a day or if you miss a week, I had to get over the idea that God's not up there angry at me saying, oh, you didn't read the Bible yesterday. You didn't read the Bible this week. Now I'm angry. You don't know. He's just waiting to hang out next time. And so like, if you miss today, start tomorrow, you know, or start next week or whenever you miss, don't like beat yourself up and feel guilty because God is always available to speak to us through his word. So find a spot, find a time, get yourself a plan, invite him to speak, and then tune your heart in to listen for his voice through his words. Um, on the Bible app, you can find reading plans that can help you, but there's a specific one that's like video-based. So if you're really like, I don't like to read and just, you know, give it to me straight. Uh, the Bible Project has reading plan devotional guides that are video-driven. It'll teach you about God and about his word. It'll read scripture to you and explain scripture to you. And you can just do that. You know, that could be your plan. But find a plan. Don't do the random. We'll see what God has for me today and, and work through it. Um, the last thing I would say is I want to encourage you to take God up on his promise. There's a ton of great promises in scripture. I want to show you one of my favorite. This is why I read the Bible. This is why as a family we try to read the Bible. This is why I love that our church is all about the Bible. Because here's what God says about his word. Here's a promise that God makes to all of mankind about his words. And he says this, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word. Okay, he's like, I send the water to the earth and it makes things green. Like I, I send the rain, I send the weather and it does what I want it to do. And then he says, and that's how it is with my word. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. God spoke through people worked for thousands of years to preserve it and to translate it into your language so he could speak to you. And he makes a promise that says, my word will not go out from my mouth and come back to me empty. It's going to do something. I have purpose for it. And so if you open up your heart and you invite God to speak, I believe that he will meet you there. And so uh, I, I, I want to I want to challenge you to take God up on his promise and say, God, you said that there's power in your active and alive, powerful word. It's breathed out by you, and you said it won't come back to you empty, so I pray that you'll use it today. And so um, would you stand up? Because I want to pray for us as we go. And uh, we'll stand and we'll pray together. And I just want to uh, ask that God would do what we said, that he would help us leave a little bit more excited about what we have in his word a little more interested in actually doing it and help us actually get good at getting ourselves into it so that we can say we are being changed by God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to say thank you for the Bible because I've got, I've got more Bibles than kids and um, I've had it forever and I take it for granted. We want to recognize that it is a powerful collection of scripture that you spoke and saved so that you can speak to us. So God, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that we've got a collection of your words that you can use in our hearts. I pray that uh, as we leave today that you will tune our hearts to want to know you more. God, we want to know you more. We want to experience you. We want to be changed by you. And we know that you use the Bible to do that in our hearts. So help us to um, get a little more regular in seeking you. 
that it wouldn't be uh, unattainable or beyond us, whether it's on our phone or a paper Bible or at night or in the morning or however, whenever, God. We want to be people of your word so that we can hear your word, so that we can be equipped to do the good works that you planned for us. God, we love you. We want you in our lives. So I pray that you help us to do that. And I pray that anyone who gives you a try this week, God, whether it's the very first time they've ever tried to read the Bible, I pray that you will meet them there. I pray that your spirit will move in their heart. God, for all of us, maybe that have read the Bible before or have read it for a long time, I pray that you give us that freshness because it is alive and it is powerful. It's not like any other book. So God, I pray that as we seek you in your word, that we would find you, that you would speak to us, that you would change us in all for your glory. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.